We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How many uh, managed leagues are you going to be in this year between your dynasty? I always am interested because as you start to get more and more years playing fantasy, it's, you know, we love drafts. Thank God for best ball. Right. But how many managed leagues between dynasty and your redraft are you going to handle this year? Uh, I think I'll have about, I'll have at least 10 dynasty leagues and um, the, the managed leagues. I think I'll have about 15. Yeah. So okay. I got it down a little bit. I think I was at 30 last year. I think I'll be more at 25 <laughs> this year. Well, so you had thirty redraft leagues, and you were just you had the you said no to no. People. I had I had more closer to. I think I had about maybe sixteen, seventeen redraft leagues, and a few more dynasty leagues. So I was able to slice had it down a, a little. Yeah, I have a serious problem. So maybe we can talk here. I am up to forty-one dynasty leagues managed. So now <laughs> I'm only playing dynasty best ball next year. I mean, I, yeah, this life is hell. Life is hell, That's and then. Much. Yeah, I've cut down the uh, seasonals to from like 15 to like 9 this year, maybe like 8. But it's not so much even just the managed as hell. We don't have, but now like the Thursday game, I and mean, everyone plays in these super deep rosters. I love it. It's like moving Derrick Henry when he plays on Thursday out of your flex into your running back and then having to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it, – it's a complete nightmare. And then yeah, – I and can't how- keep up with it. I used to be such a good dynasty manager. Like I used to, you know, <laughs> be like right now. I'd be like looking at my dynasty rosters, like putting trades together. But I'm just drafting best ball teams. Yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. uh, I, but with dynasty also, because is dynasty your first love though? Like if you had to yeah. only, yeah, me too, man. Yeah, me too. And it's it's like unfair because people send me trade offers. I almost like don't care anymore. I, I'm not even countering that much because I don't want to look through all the damn leagues. Anyway, I, I feel I mean, there are, of course, your one or two most important, you know, your most expensive leagues or the ones you care yeah. about. But these $50 leagues, man, they fall by the wayside. How about the, the trade offer you get where <laughs> I just got this? Someone sent me it's a fourth round pick for Mike Evans with the note interested in trading Mike Evans. Right. It's like, yeah, maybe if you send me an offer, I'd be interested, but I'm not going to. You're just asking me to do work. That's what you're asking me to do. At least it was a fourth round. Yeah, at least it was a fourth round pick. I mean, obviously, that's an auto decline. But how about the one where they say, um, what are you looking for for Jamar Chase? Like, I'm not looking to sell the guy. And then you want me to go in there. Look what I have to do in the work. I have to do legwork for you. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be nice because you want to deal with these people later. You have to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it later on a podcast. 
Yeah. Well, let me ask you. <laughs> exactly. Well, out them. I was involved in this league recently where the the uh, the chat got so nasty and it spilled on the Twitter. It was uh, about QB hoarding. And in a Superflex league, you know, uh, one of the newest – well, not newest, but one a trend that's becoming popular lately in these Dynasty leagues, Pat, is just seven of your first uh, eight picks are quarterbacks. And now you're the quarterback store. Yeah. Right. You come to me now. Right. I, I mean, I can – see that i guess but like at a certain point you you create a market where like like you you are now in a position where you have to move some quarterback value or you're not going to win so you're not going to sell every one of those quarterbacks to top top dollar no well the idea i think is in the startup itself so let's say you take i see Tua in round four that once the league realizes that they're in trouble they'll trade you the wide receiver that they took in round three plus a little something Got it. Okay. That seems like a great way to kick off a relationship with 11. <laughs> true. But again, we just talked about not wanting to do all this work. Who wants to deal with that within the draft? Yeah, it's, it's, I can see the merits in it, but it's not for me. It's not for me. No, no. Yeah. I, I want to talk about today with Pat Green of Legendary Upside. And it's ironic that we're talking, you know, your new uh, venture, Legendary Upside. We're going to be talking about everything but upside. We're going to be talking about floor plays, safe plays. So, uh, the irony in that, Pat. I know. I mean, I really had to <laughs> to think hard to come up with this completely flipping uh, my brand on its head here. But it'll be fun to, to talk through some of the safer guys. Well, I figured if you're always talking about upside and how to maximize and, uh, you know, the, the, I think that there's a lost art, especially in a contained league. Because this time of year, people consuming fantasy football content, uh, most of them are, consu- are concerned about beating their office or their they're, you know, they're college buddies and they're in these 12 team contained leagues. And if you're always shooting for upside, like you don't, you just need to get into the playoffs in these leagues. So I think that it's, it's important not to just discard upside, but to think about when is the right time to, to really swing for the fences and other times when to uh, just, you know, have a right balance of floor play. And like in the first round, I mean, it's almost fantasy football cliche, Pat, but you hear can't win your league, can lose it in the first round. Mm-hmm. How do you usually play the first round with like random pick seven? Not a specific player, but with that upside quotient. Uh, I mean, it, it honestly comes down to player evaluation for me, but I do tend to lean wide receiver unless there's a, a running back who I think has legendary upside that's kind of what the the term comes from this idea that if you are taking running backs in the early rounds it really should be a swing for a home run because running backs do tend to bust at higher rates Um, we tend to get a little overconfident in the projections that we have for running backs uh, because things things happen you know there's a lot of chaos in nfl seasons so so if you are going for running back i i definitely like to to swing big there um but, you know, I think the running backs going in the first round this year are deserving of going in the first round. You know, Austin Eckler is coming off of one of those seasons that we're looking for, catches a lot of passes. Bijan Robinson, I think, has some serious upside. Uh, but A.J. Brown would be a guy in the first round where if you're just looking for, like, you know what's good? An amazing wide receiver on an elite offense. That's that's pretty safe. So that he's a guy that jumps out to me. I'm like, he's completely in his prime. Uh, he's coming off a really strong season. If you look at um, one of the metrics that I've been really intrigued by is uh, ESPN rolled out this uh, player tracking based metric called open score. Uh, it's available for free on 538. Um, 
A.J. Brown last season was wide receiver three in open score. He, you know, is he's getting open at an elite rate. That's kind of always been mm. part of what he does. He was also wide receiver four in their yards after catch metric. So you're getting this really strong talent bet with A.J. Brown. Now we're going to kind of quibble about, you know, how many targets is he going to get versus Devontae Smith and how consistent will he be week to week? But, like, is he going to bust? Are we wrong about him being good enough to score a bunch of points in a few weeks this year for sure. And hopefully, you know, enough in the weeks where he doesn't blow up for massive games. I don't think we're, I don't think we're that worried about that. So he's, he's a definitely kind of a high floor play, I think. Right. So he would definitely be our first bus proof player, right? You, you, for all the reasons you outline, how come, I mean, it took him going to the Eagles though. Like when he was on Tennessee, he famously was like, Hey, get your six targets with AJ Brown and just rely on his efficiency. What do you think changed? I mean, I think it's changed a little. So it's interesting because the Eagles don't pass like that much, but they aren't the Titans. And I think they aren't the Titans in some important ways. One of the games that I think was illuminating was the Bears game last year where they're going into a matchup. And, if you know, if you play DFS and stuff, people are playing DFS. They may remember like that was a, a that week. The Eagles running game was really talked up because the Bears have a t- had and kind of probably still will, but had at the time a terrible run defense. But they were also really, really bad against the pass. And the Eagles were aggressive about attacking through the air in the early part of that game because I think the Eagles get it in a way that the Titans probably don't. Like, they're going to be aggressive when they have the chance to be aggressive about attacking downfield through the air. If they have a big lead, they'll happily run the ball and and salt away the game. But I think they just seem... Even though they're not a super pass-heavy team, they they just seem like more willing to press their advantage through the air. Do you think it also might have something to do with their you know now famously easy schedule from last year that they're going to be in a little bit? You, you hear their narrative narrative that they could be in some tighter games, and that could even now increase some right. of the passing attempts. And now AJ Brown goes from us thinking he's a safe pick to wow, I can't believe I did, I passed on him for Cooper Cup, who's missing week one. Yeah, exactly. I think their super soft schedule last year and, you know, them being way ahead in some of these games. I mean, you know, the the Steelers game where A.J. Brown scored three touchdowns, they pulled their starters in like the end of the third quarter. I mean, that was his that was his biggest game and he didn't play the whole thing. So I do think there's meat on the bone if they're in, in, in one closer games, but two like shootouts. Like can can someone stick with them on offense and we we actually see some fireworks this year? That'd be that'd be pretty fun. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Alan Soslowski along with Pat Corain of Legendary Upside. And we are talking about bust-proof players. As always, the Roadwire Podcast is brought to you by Circa Las Vegas. It's brought to you by Fantrax and Rival Fantasy. Have you been out to Circa, uh, the, the hotel in Vegas yet? I haven't, no. You need to. You need to. I, I, I will try to get there. Uh, I'm going out for uh, the main event this uh, this this September, so maybe I'll I'll be able to check it out. Yeah, the Rotowire trip is there every year. So we for the last couple oh, nice. of years, and you know, so we, uh, we we they roll out the red carpet, but it's like they have this amazing uh, setup near the pool where it's just like all the TVs. I mean, you can play blackjack inside the pool. It's 
it's pretty crazy. It's definitely the best sports book. They don't, I don't think they really limit you on some of the props. They have such a big menu. So it's, if you're nice. into sports betting, I mean, Circa Las Vegas, and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit. You mentioned Bijan Robinson in the first round, and we were talking about like real legendary upside. Yeah. I, I had, you know, I put myself out there a little bit and, um, I made a video about like any, even if Justin, once Justin Jefferson's off the board, like I'm okay with taking Bijan Robinson ahead of the two veteran running backs, McCaffrey, Eckler. I'm not saying like you should, if that's not for you, but when we talk about players that cannot fail, bus proof players, would you put Bijan he's in that category where even if it's like not great, it's still like a top five ish running back given the situation? I think, yeah, I think he's a fair one for sure. I mean, he's super talented. Like he's in my stuff, like he comes out as, as like the best running back prospect we've got, you know, and I only have it going back to like Saquon and, and JT, but he's like that level where you're just like, he, he's not necessarily the pass catcher, you know, of a Christian McCaffrey level, but he is more than capable and he's a, you know, a tackle breaker. He is explosive you know, probably more like a, a Brees Hall, but an even better pass catcher, like that kind of that kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's going to score a lot of points. I like I said, I would take him as the first RB. Uh, given you know, I understand McCaffrey probably has that the, the more upside, but I'm worried about now. We saw Elijah Mitchell got hurt, so that's like you know, it's only going to be a few weeks. Yeah. But Christian McCaffrey, you could see situations, and again, I'm just projecting a narrative here where they load manage him. They give him the Kawhi Leonard and like basketball treatment, where oh, they're nine point favorites, they're up, you know, they're up by ten in the third quarter. Let's let's go with our our committee approach just because they have Super Bowl aspirations. And then you mentioned Austin Eckler. I mean, he's getting up there in age. Uh, they want to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, so. he's pretty old. Yeah. So again, it's like we talk about safe running backs. I, I think when you talk about floor and upside, Bijan is the one. And if you're a running back drafter early, I, I don't see the downside there. How about Nick Chubb? I have him as a bust proof player. I would agree with that when he's in the kind of the mid second, as he creeps into that one, two turn area, I think he starts to, there's this, there's this kind of concept that uh, the Mike Leone is the one who kind of got me onto the term um, of silent killer where mm-hmm. you're, it's not that the guy busts, but he doesn't do enough for the price. And then you end up just kind of like behind relative to what you could have, you know, the ways that you could have built your team, you know, because you you gave up opportunity costs, let's say a wide receiver, and then you could have backfilled similar production at running back later. Chubb has that that kind of risk, I think. But I do agree that like he's gonna do Nick Chubb stuff. He's still popping as a pure rusher, as like one of the very, very best in the league. And you know, he's been elite as a rusher his entire career. To me, it's more like if they throw to him. And if they even like throw to him at a decent rate, as opposed to like not at all, then he has upside that he hasn't had in years. So I kind of view him as like a like sneaky risky, but but also sneaky upside. So I get why he's honestly he's a little more expensive than I was hoping he'd be. So I haven't drafted him as much as I would like to. But um, when he was available more in like the mid second, then I think he he definitely definitely qualified. 
I was recently in an NFFC draft with a bunch of experienced players. It's not like it was just, you know, just some random players in there. I got them at two point. Let's see, I picked six. So I got them at 2.7. That's, okay. I think, the yeah. sweet spot after you take Tyreek Hill or there. But you're right. Like, if you're taking them on the one-two turn going Saquon, Nick Chubb, you're right there. I think that there's a little bit more risk. Because I, I see the upside. But, you know, Nick Chubb is one of those those players that, like, the – uh, professional drafters like just boring. Give me my production. He's the guy. Yep. I don't. Yep. <laughs> um, you mentioned Bijan Robinson earlier, and we were talking about dynasty leagues. Do you think that they're in? Do you, you play in a lot of superflex leagues? Right. I mean, we. I play in. Yeah, I play in superflex leagues. Yeah. yeah. So in did did Anthony Richardson go ahead of Bijan in any of your rookie drafts this year? Yes, I I, th- I saw him. I saw him go ahead. I was I was sort of sort of saying you've got to take Bijan first. Like, take Bijan first and hold him for half a season. And if you need the quarterback, go get the quarterback then. Because you have, you'll have the menu available to you of quarterbacks that you can go get. It's not just Anthony Richardson. You're right. going to have – if you want Anthony Richardson, like, in October, you can probably trade Bijan for him straight up then. So I was, like – I was still Bijan 101. Right. But it's, it's easy to see – a year from now, being like, oh, my God, quarterbacks in Superflex, you can't get them. Like, nobody's trading you a quarterback. You know how you get a quarterback in Superflex? You have to trade for, like, Baker Mayfield. You have to trade for <laughs> – that. I mean, that's, those are the distra- – Matt Stafford is gettable in your Superflex league, right? But other than that, man, I just – I've never been able to trade successfully for a quarterback without basically giving another quarterback. Yeah, you almost have to give a quarterback, yeah. Right, like – yeah. Of- well, Bijan, I just I think the running back landscape in Dynasty is he's potentially in a situation where it's like after the season, like if Brees Hall doesn't come back strong, and Jonathan Taylor's now got this contract issue stuff, and like a number of the running backs that we're drafting earlier are much older. Like it could be Bijan could be like the only running back you're excited to have in Dynasty and like the entire player pool. So I think he will be pretty valuable. I agree that it's, I mean, Bijan, RB1 in Dynasty, and then figure it out from there, right? It's, yeah. it's, that's, you know, it's, it leads into this wide receiver crazy conversation. And it's actually something I was going to ask you a bit later on, but might as well. By the way, I just want you, to, I skip around all the time. So there's really, yeah, uh, fine. you know, when I'm driving, I, I, I'll make a left off to a highway. I have no idea, but, <laughs> you know, we, detours. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Are you, obviously, your best ball, your, your, your big win from last year. The thing that I love about it the most, Pat, and for those who don't know, Pat took down uh, Best Wall Mania. Um, you know, it's it's probably even better than the payoff is like, I mean, come on, that makes you like uh, people think about you differently in a sense. Like he must know something. But <laughs> I, I was laughing because all these wide receiver nuts, you did it with running back, running back. To me, that's the did, best yeah. part of the best ball uh, thing. And you heard for years, Pat, that you, ha- you don't draft early. Draft as you have more information. And that, right. what you drafted the team in June? Uh, July 18th. Right. Okay. So you're the one they're talking about in the commercial. The last year's winner drafted in July. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was before training camp kicked off. Right. You know, it's, it's sort of the deadest period of the calendar. Um, I did a, I did a stream, uh, you know, on July 18th because it wasn't just, I drafted my team July 18th. But the winning regular season team that King yeah. Capital drafted was also on July 18th, which is just <laughs> insane. But yeah, it's it's uh, as I did the stream, I was like, oh yeah, no one's really around. This right. is not peak football time. But I think that was I was able to get some values on. Like I got Ramondre Stevenson in the tenth. I think he finished in the seventh round. There's stuff like that that you just couldn't get later. 
isn't it funny? Like you were totally relaxed, just drafting the team, no idea that this was the you know the the winning ticket. Uh, were you drinking heavily during that one? No, I was I was doing a podcast uh, with Jacob Sanderson later that night, and we actually we drafted a team later. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I was like prepping for that podcast, just like making sure that you know I got because I had been writing about um, some like strategy stuff of uh, actually one of the things I was writing about was how like two running back starts kind of worked with three quarterback builds and that's what this was. So I think I was like literally like testing stuff out and right. uh, tested out, tested so, out pretty well. So now are you superstitious? Like when you're doing your, when you're maxing out now, like, Oh, I did it this way this time. This must be already just like, listen, I'm, I'm just going to draft how I've always drafted because I always wonder if winning sometimes it's never a curse. That's the wrong word. But like, does it really uh, create a bias on how it, it all worked out last time? I don't think so. I mean, I drafted a mix of, like uh, different structures last year. Like I drafted, I think about 20% of my teams were running back, running back starts. Uh, 25 were, were just uh, like one running back in the first two rounds. Another 25 were zero running back teams. Um, so I drafted like very kind of mixed bag of teams. And that's what I'm doing this year. Although I'm doing more like wide receiver, running back, running back, which I didn't do much of at all last year, but the, the ADP just sets up that way. So I'm just trying to play the rooms and the player pool, you know, the way I think it, it sort of sets up for, for where's the edge this year. And it's always going to be a little bit different. Cause I remember in the, you know, when you did like best ball tens or before the underdog days, right. like the way to win a contained draft, I remember was always, when I say contained without an overall component yeah. uh, was, was like three running backs in the first four rounds and get four running backs that have locked in jobs and just draft volatile wide receivers later on, like the Will Fuller types that get those weeks does that change now? I mean, especially with everyone going all in. I mean, no one has the secret formula. And that's why I think it's so funny with all the wide receiver crazies because you did not do that and you won. But what is the optimal strategy? Or is that just like even just a stupid question in the sense where there is none? You need land on the right players is the right strategy. I think I think there are structures that work. And but the nice thing is there's a bunch of structures that can work. So I think that's why best ball is so interesting. And I think people get, you know, pretty, you may have your favorite structures and I certainly do, but I would say try to mix it up a bit because you want to be, it's like throwing different pitches or something. Like you want to be able to do it because a situation may call for, you know, that specific tactic, right? You might want to be able to, to go with a running back heavy start because the room handed it to you. And even if you don't generally draft that way, you want to be able to build a really strong, you know, three running backs in the first four rounds type of build and and have that thing be live to win it all, you know, or the opposite. It's like I've gotten handed five straight wide receivers. I'm going to take them and I know how to make this work. So just like getting comfortable, there's lots of great content on all of these various structures. But I think like my team, I went running back, running back, but I took five wide receivers, I believe, before the first before round 10. Right. And then I didn't grab my second running back until uh, my, sorry, my third running back until round 10. Um, and then I grabbed two running backs at the very end of the draft to get to five. So while I did go running back, running back to start, I still had a lot of wide receiver firepower on that team. And I, I think that's, that is crucial. I think you, you have to have enough wide receiver firepower. Do you have to take five straight wide receivers to get that? No, there, but there's sort of a window and if you don't have enough when that window closes, I think your odds of advancing become pretty low. But that means, you know, one way to do that would be grab four running backs in the first 10 rounds and grab five wide receivers 
you know, in the first 10 rounds and throw in a quarterback or a tight end. Like you can, you can still build um, teams that are taking running backs fairly early, I think, but you just don't want to get locked out of that wide receiver firepower because it does dry up. Right. You don't want to have too many Donovan Peoples Jones. You don't be relying yes. on those yes. guys. I mean, even exactly. someone like Sky Moore, right? I mean, like, if that's like your wide receiver three, then you're in trouble. Exactly. You want that to be your, and I've been in situations where I went to running back heavy, did the mistake of taking both onesie positions, a tight end and a quarterback. And now I'm like, okay, I'll just get all these volatile guys, but the sky Moore's guaranteed nothing. And it, it, you know. yeah, he, and he's a good wide receiver five. I think, you right. know, very good wide receiver five. I, you could maybe talk me into him as wide receiver four, but I think even then it's a, it's probably too thin. Uh but yeah, as a wide wide receiver three, I might uh, I might put my phone down and, and go 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 outside and enjoy the right. day. Auto <laughs> so draft, that's right? going anywhere. Yeah, and that's why and that's why you max enter these things because you're going to make mistakes, right? I mean, everyone talks yeah, about they sure. post they post all these screenshots. Look how great I did. I mean, I have good teams, but I would say out of you know the seventy best balls I've done, twelve of them are complete disasters. You know, I'm like, oh, I just misread the room or something like that. Yeah, and you know. One thing I would say, too, is like if you're going to be taking best ball, like let's say more seriously than you did last year, odds are you're going to take it seriously again next year. So like it's OK to experiment with some stuff, take a look at what those experiments yielded. And it's like, man, I actually that didn't work at all. I might not be doing that so much again next year. That's kind of how I did it. Like I kind of dabbled in best ball mania one. I took best ball mania two very seriously. I didn't have great results. I tweaked some things advanced teams at a much higher rate last year. Um, and I had one team that was, you know, in a fortunate enough to, to win it. So it's like, you're kind of just trying to it. And that's maybe that's just the way I am, but I'm, I kind of learn by doing and I iterate off stuff, but I don't think there's, if you're, if that's kind of how you generally like to do things, I would encourage you to do it. And, you know, if you punt off a few teams in the process, like it's learning, you know, you're learning and you're getting better. Are you tired of people asking you about this? I mean, I like talking about strategy, so as okay, you tell, good. I'm just trying to pivot to the, good, to the strategy good. stuff. I you think know, the strategy stuff is fascinating. Right, uh, and me too, right? I mean, I love talking about player stuff, and we're going to get back to some of our bus-proof players, but you know, it, the strategy in itself, and more so the psychology of the room, right? I mean, yep. you have to know your room, and you can read what's happening, and it's so easy to see you know, who's trying to stack early and then, you know, already to lay off that stack if someone takes, you know, takes Tyreek Hill at pick two or one you already mm-hmm. all right this guy is setting up for Tua. he's probably looking for waddle or something like that so what are some of the things that maybe you notice in these rooms we're going to talk about that but real quick the trends that pat notices in these rooms i just want to tell everybody about circa we we alluded to it before we were talking about it um this is a long read pat so you know you take your drink of water right now real quick here. <laughs> uh, Circa, everyone knows Circa Las Vegas. Uh, get ready to it for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests are in Vegas, are back and bigger than ever with 14 million bucks in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada. You have to go there, everybody, if you want to do the Survivor Contest or the Pick'em Contest, but you can put in your picks through a proxy from home. Play Circa Million, make five picks a week against the spread. payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home a million dollars. Last place takes home $100,000 as a booby prize. Can you go in there trying to blow the picks and you still take home $100,000? So if you're literally in last place, they'll give you $100,000. That's harder to do probably than winning it. Um, Join Circus Survivor. 
To select one team each week, straight up, with no repeat selections, the team loses or ties, your entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season, go 20-0, and or be the last person standing and win it all. $8 million in guaranteed, $14 million total prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. I'm here with Pat Corrine from Legendary Upside. I'm Alan Soslowski. You can follow Pat at Pat Corrine. I'm at Alan Soslowski. And this is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We were talking about reading the room and the psychology of being in any draft room, Pat. What are some of the things that you're looking for in the first couple rounds uh, that some of the other players are doing? And what are your moves off of that? Well, in, in this environment, I'm trying to figure out how wide receiver heavy the room is. Because there can be big swings, uh, depending on who's in that particular room. You can see the wide receivers kind of get snapped up very quickly in some of these rooms. Um, You can also sit back and get really nice wide receiver values in like round eight and nine in some of these rooms. And I want to be in position. I always want to be in position as I'm building out my team structurally to go, man, I need a running back and just pull up the queue and it's just a bunch of running back values or, Oh, I need a receiver now. And it's the opposite. It's all receivers, you know? Um, and you can kind of feel that out. I think in the early rounds, how running back heavy the room is going to be. Uh, the other thing I would say is how many auto drafters are there? Because if there's a few auto drafters, I'm going to be more inclined to get quarterback taken care of. Mm. Cause that's the position where, you know, if depending on the site, you know, you can see, just auto drafting like four quarterbacks on some of these teams. And it's like, where did all the quarterbacks go? Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. There's a few auto drafters in the middle of the board and they're just grabbing every, every quarterback value. that Pat, Pat, let me ask you the actionable takeaway here. So when you say, okay, I've been in, most drafts have like 1.5 auto drafters. Sometimes there's two, sometimes mm-hmm. there's one, a lot of them. Like, and when you say take care of quarterback, does that mean, take an elite oh well, actually you probably wouldn't it yeah. or does that mean you know shopping the five six round like where is get it taken care of mean i would break ties towards an elite in that situation i would also you know break ties towards trying to do something like if you're at the four five turn or near the four five turn you can try to do like dj Moore and get justin fields to come back um and that's something i i sometimes you know do that or maybe i'll grab like terry mclaurin instead but I see that the other half of the board is on auto draft, um, you know, in a couple spots, I'd be more inclined to do that. Um, and then later in the draft, maybe reach half a round for a quarterback that I have a stack with that maybe I would try to push or just assume I'll be able to get a different quarterback. I like later, but start operating with the assumption of like, if I don't get, I would also say if I have an elite taking care of quarterback too, like a little earlier than I normally would, would be another thing I would do if I knew there was a couple of drafters in there. What do you think the biggest mistake that seasonal drafters, best ball drafters make, even experienced ones in 2023 from what you've seen? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think I honestly think that people are building pretty sharp teams. I guess, to be honest, maybe still not taking care of that like wide receiver four spot. I think I do see some teams that are like doing some interesting stuff, but through eight rounds, they have three wide receivers. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that's going to cut it. Like you can definitely, if you have four wide receivers through, you know, seven rounds, you can probably push that wide receiver five. You know, if you get a Jacoby Myers as your wide receiver five, I think it's probably okay. Um, but if, yeah, if you, if you go into the, if you're in round 12 and you have three wide receivers, you know, and I, I see a little bit of, of that. Um, maybe not all the way to round 12, but but by round like 10, if you have three, I think you're in trouble. So roster construction might be one of the mistakes that you, you see in these rooms? Yeah, roster construction is it's definitely gotten way better, but it's still probably, um, you know, something that people are, are put maybe in, you know, maybe they're pushing the edge on something and they're, they're saying, hey, I want to see if I can get away with this. We were talking about some bus proof players before and before we were talking about best ball. Is there anybody else in like the top three, four rounds that, you know, may may seem like a boring pick or not, but you know, it just you know they can't miss. You're taking them if they're in the queue when you're up. Yeah, one guy that has really jumped out to me is Mark Andrews. Um, he's you know in a situation where it's like it's Travis Kelsey that I feel like the fantasy football market has kind of decided after last year it's Travis Kelsey or no one. And Mark Andrews is an elite talent at the tight end position. Like he has, he has, he has emerged. He is there. Like he is, you know, the issue has been, they don't pass enough. Right. And then he's, and then Lamar's been hurt and it's been kind of a disaster that we don't like the offensive coordinator that much. Cause they, you know, that very run heavy, not that creative. Everyone kind of knows what they're going to do. That's all changing. They've got a new offensive coordinator. They're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be faster paced. They're going to throw more. And he's dealing with a little bit more target competition, but I'm not really all that worried about it. You know, maybe it, maybe it hurts his ceiling a little bit, but when you want to talk about floor, mm. Mark Andrews has been absolutely dominant at getting open. Um, if you look at that open score metric that I referenced earlier, Andrews, and they track this going back to 2017. Andrews 2022 season is the highest recorded by a tight end in this open score metric. He's getting open at an elite rate. The second highest record recorded season was Mark Andrews 2021 season. The dude is doing something at tight end that is really rare. He is he was not the number one wide receiver or the number one receiver in Baltimore these past few years by default. He's the number one receiver because he's an elite receiver. So if they throw more He's still going to see a huge target share, even if you know Odo Beckham is back and you know Rashad Bateman gets back from his foot and Zay Jones is awesome. Like, great, they're going to put up a lot of points, and Mark Andrews is going to be a red zone weapon. So I'm, I just think like from a floor perspective, you're taking care of a onesie position that we know is going to have huge bust rates across. You know, Kyle Pitts is back; he's going to do it. Like, meh, or he's a bust again. You know, it's 
it's you, it's difficult to get tight end production. I, I took a bet this year, right? And I am so con- – by the way, I love that you brought up Mark Andrews because I think it's okay to pass on, like, your favorite end-of-the-round two receivers to take Andrews and just take DK Metcalf in round three if you're in a two-three turn situation. Yep. So I, I do like that. But I have a bet. And just tell me if you think I'm in good shape. I, I'm pro Mark Andrews and a colleague of mine at Rotowire. We have a, a big time bet where I get Andrews total fantasy points week one through, uh, we said one, the regular fantasy season, weeks one through 14. He gets, I told him, pick any other two wide receivers that are not Travis Kelsey. You can have them both. If either of them beats Andrews, he wins the bet. He took Goddard and Pitts. I was like, that's who you took? Smash. I, I, I want your side of that for sure. I mean, I, I thought I'd have to give him odds for that. I mean, so I should just go spend the money then, right? Like it's yeah, it's yeah. Go, go spend it. All right, all right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We, we bet. I mean, full- you know, injuries happen, and you know, it's a chaotic season. But man, I mean, he's he's like we're betting on Kyle Pitts to become elite. That's and I think it's a good bet. Like I think Kyle Pitts is very good and has a chance of becoming elite. But like he's on the Falcons. Desmond Ritter's his quarterback. Like from a floor ceiling combination, Mark Andrews who was already elite on the Ravens, who could be putting up a lot of points with a quarterback who did win MVP once, like, and is now under a new contract and new offense coordinator and everything. I don't know. I mean, I just, that, I think you're right the there. He's in the third round is strange to me. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. There is that when anytime I hear a pod, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, anytime I hear even respected podcasters say, I understand. Well, historically the Ravens, what, what, stop, stop. This is not that Ravens. This, this like yes. erase that. And then all of the, the talk is, I mean, you saw the James Jones clip on, uh, on Twitter. It says, Munkin says, we're bringing it back to Louisville. We're going four wide. We're spreading it out. I mean, this is every, everything you thought was going to happen. You have to, it, See the upside here, right? See the upside yes, here, right? Yes. Like if somebody, if I was in a sharp room and they took Tra- um, Andrews uh, in middle of round two, like I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, he likes it. So uh, I'm with you there. That's a good floor upside player. Amon Ross St. Brown, too big to fail for me, man. So I, I, I didn't want to be a hero. I almost took him at pick six. I know that's insane. Don't do that, everyone. Don't take him at pick six. Just don't do it. Take Tyreek Hill when he was on the board. That's what I, I was faced with. Yeah. But, you know, you could point to his touchdowns being, you know, low, you know, five, six touchdowns. But I, I heard somewhere, I, I didn't research the stat, but he was tackled like a ton inside the five. What if that touchdown total pack goes to like nine or 11? Is Amon yep. Ross St. Brown, do you think he's considered, should be considered a bust-proof, cannot-fail player where he's going in the one-two turn? I mean, in PPR for sure. Yeah, you know? that PPR. Yeah, he's he's going to be – he's going to rack up catches. Um, I mean, it's also – you know, the only thing that would really worry me – and it honestly, it doesn't worry me that much, but Jamison Williams, like, what if Jamison Williams is a superstar, you know, and he just steals, you know, target share down the stretch and – you know, you have Amon Ross St. Brown. He's awesome in the regular season, but then you get to the fantasy playoffs and he's not scoring as many points. That'd be, it wouldn't be a bust, but it'd be very disappointing. But I don't get those vibes. I mean, obviously, Jameson Williams is suspended for the first six games. Uh, Dan Campbell, though, all openly now talking about how he'll probably like never be an elite catcher of the football. That's, I never want to hear something like that from a head coach about a guy they took early in the first round. That's, Highly concerning to me. Beating people oh, up at know. practice, smacking them in the head. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would bet against it, him affecting Amon Ross St. Brown. I would say it's the other way around. Like he has to fit in. Uh, the right, you know, yeah. He's going to have to 
deal with whatever he did. And then you come back and let's see, the, uh, he's gone for six games, Seamus and Williams. And by the way, all your concerns, I, I, I think that's baked in. And if we knew Amon Ra was, I mean, it's that fourth round draft pedigree. Where he was drafted is mm-hmm. if he was a first round pick, Amon Ross St. Brown, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But yes. I'm looking at okay, so he misses the first six games. Okay, so he gets back on the field. We're talking about Jamison Williams in week seven and eight. We know that first week back, unless it's like he catches some 80 yard bomb, it's not going to go great. And then they have a buy in week nine. I'm seeing right here. So okay. yeah, it's it's going to be a rocky road for Jamison Williams. Is he a bad pick in in these overall contests in best ball or? Is it, are you, because you have to take him in the sixth round. I mean, where are you on guys like that? He's going, so in like Best Ball Mania, he's dropped to, I think he's going in like pick 110 or something, like 110. So you uh, go to round eight? It's been like ish. Uh, Yeah, more like round like nine, 10. Okay. Um, But that was recently, in the beginning of Best Ball season. Recently. Yes. Yes. So post suspension. Right. Right. So, but even then, was he, okay. So talk about him in round eight. I think he was. I think the answer is yes to both. To both, I think he was a bad pick then, and I think he is a bad pick now in Best Ball Mania because Best Ball Mania pays out a good portion of the prize pool to the regular season uh, winner and and a bunch of places below. So you would like to at least be live for uh, those prizes. Um, uh, Daniel Raz has written about this of like if you're taking Jameson Williams. Make sure that you're not doing it in, in a tournament that pays out regular season prizes in a big way, because like you need that. Like that's a that's an important pick for you, your ninth or tenth round pick. Like that's still someone that you're expecting to slot into your lineup in a like a lot. And he's just he's obviously just not going to do that for most of the beginning of the season. Uh, and so uh, yeah, he he's not someone I've taken a lot of. It'd be different if he was tearing up training camp and we were just like you know all giddy about his you know return to football but they're like gonna play him a bunch in the preseason to make sure like he gets reps because they're not liking what they're seeing i don't love that yeah the one place i'm for for having jameson williams on your roster is if someone wants to give you a 2000 uh give them to you for 24 or 25 second rounder meaning like that doesn't happen no one's doing that in your dynasty league but if somebody just does not like all the bad news happening in your dynasty league. I'm for taking on that risk. Other than that redraft, I want no part of it. And yeah. there's also another player that drafters, Pat, are taking very high in drafts in the third round. Bruce Hall. I want to talk about him in a minute. But before that, I want to tell everybody about fan tracks for your fantasy football players out there. Is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules for playoffs, deeper team settings. Well, look no further. We have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform, offering greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create and join a fantasy football commissioner league. Invite your friends. Dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming in from another another service, no problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your leagues. Fantrax is running a promotion right now, Pat. So you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire. R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. Enter your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. Some of these leagues, Pat, I don't know if I want to go with these guys. I don't even, you know, they're a little shady and weird. But anyway, plus you'll get six grand in spending cash. That's right. Tickets to for your entire league. Simply create a new league. Bring it over from an existing league for more chances to win. Go to uh, Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. 
I guess there's a couple leagues I'd want to go to a game with, but some of these leagues, man, I'm in with strangers. <laughs> Can you imagine I, just the weirdness <laughs> of that? But still, great prize, great prize. Go do it. Great prize. Yep. Brees Hall in the third round. I, I you know, I, I've maintained it's the worst pick in fantasy football, but I'm open to being wrong about this. I, I'm a Jets fan too. Again, I don't really put that away. You know, that doesn't really matter. But now he's falling to the fourth. Uh, it just, it's not that if Brees Hall was healthy, Pat, I would be saying, hey, this is a reasonable 1.1 overall in drafts if you like running backs. But week seven ACL, when all the other great players that are sitting there in round three and round four, I just let so, let someone else take them. Am I wrong? That someone else is going to be me. I'm taking a ton of Brees Hall in the third round. He's honestly my favorite. He's my favorite pick. Uh, tell me, I said I'm open to being wrong, so tell me why. I need to. Be, I haven't been persuaded yet, but I want to be persuaded. So please. So here's what I would say: If you're now the Dalvin Cook stuff, the way that I think that the third round looks bad, the way you know is that you could have gotten him in the fourth round, and that's the part that I that I don't like. You know, I don't want to take a bunch of third round Brees Hall and then have to reevaluate what I'm going to do now that he's a fourth round pick because Dalvin Cook signed there. So that that does concern me from the from the perspective of I could have built a better overall portfolio that was light third round Brees Hall and heavy fourth round Brees Hall. But kind of leaving that aside, like just what's the bet with Brees Hall? To me, the bet is that he's going to start slow, but then he's going to get back to what we saw last year down the stretch. And what we saw last year I completely agree. Is the type of running back that we would be considering taking at the very beginning of fantasy football drafts. He was extremely efficient as a rusher. He was extremely efficient as a receiver. They were willing to use him in both facets of the game. Right away, they were getting him involved. He was seeing a, a bunch of targets in some of those early games. He was an extremely strong prospect, broke a ton of tackles. Uh, the speed was something that I think surprised people. Like He was getting kind of David Montgomery comps early on in the in the prospect uh, process. He's not David Montgomery. He is much faster than David Montgomery. And we're already seeing the speed is returned. You know, the Jets constantly talking about how he's 22, 23 miles an hour he's running at. Um, what I've, I don't understand, you know, the medical part of it all that well, but I've gone to, you know, I'm like Edwin Porras at, at Fantasy Points. Like, what's, what's he saying about this? Some of the other guys on Twitter, they've all been pretty positive and said like, this is a clean ACL tear. There was not, I think they, there was like minor meniscus damage, but not to the point that it required like additional surgery, which would have slowed things down. He is going to, he's very young, which matters for this. He was an elite athlete ahead of time, which matters. Cause even if he loses a little athleticism, he'll still be super athletic. Um, and the timeline, he's going to be, I think 10 months removed from the injury when he gets back on the field, which is you want at least nine months to recover. So when you're building with Brees Hall, I think about it kind of like I'm getting, you may, you know, kind of Jonathan Taylor in his rookie season, you know, people I'm, were I, dropping him in seasonal leagues. Do you remember that? Yeah. People were like literally drop Jonathan Taylor week, uh, like week six. So yeah, exactly. You're going to have to sit through some early season stuff. That's not going to be the most fun. But in the third round, we can deal with that. You can you can work around that because you're going to have you know two very high scoring picks in your first couple of rounds. Hopefully, you know he's going near Jameer Gibbs, kind of a similar archetype. I think like Gibbs probably won't score a ton early on in the season. He's going to have to earn more of that backfield to himself over the course of the year, the way we see rookies do. Um, 
but we don't really know how good Gibbs is. I'm pretty sure Brees Hall is awesome as long as he can get back to full health. Uh, and I expect that he will be back to full health by the end of the season. And now when I look at stuff like Best Ball Mania and a lot of, frankly, a lot of fantasy leagues, like even 12-team leagues, like you got to win the fantasy playoffs. You got to get there first, but you also got to win when you're there. Having someone who profiles as he's going to score like his best games are likely to be back weighted to the second half of the year to me is a major advantage, especially if I'm looking at top heavy tournaments where you got to score a ton of points in week 17 specifically, like give me a running back who should be at full health on December 31st, who I think might be the best running back in the league at that point. So I've been hammering him in the third round. I am nervous. Like I said, that I might have gotten a bad price because I could get fourth round breeze. But if I have a chance to get fourth round Brees, I'm going to have a big old bag. And if I think if Dalvin Cook signs there, you're looking at fifth round Brees. Okay, then I, I might I might have him on eighty percent of my teams at that point. Right. Well, he's fourth round Brees right now with the threat. With of the Dalvin threat, Cook. yeah, right, yeah. When it actually yeah. happens, because there's people like, yeah, it may not happen. I'll take him in the fourth. I mean, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. He, he may fall to the fifth, which is, I mean. Look, I mean, the legendary upside is the concept, and this guy can put up. Because the other here's the other thing: I think Dalvin Cook is is kind of washed. He, he in a lot of the advanced stuff, he was productive last year, but in a lot of the advanced stuff, he was horrendous. He was worse than Zeke in success rate per NFL Next Gen. Like he he looks pretty done. So, will Cook hurt Brees Hall's production this season? For sure, there's no question. But how much is he hurting it down the stretch? I mean this. The whole point of them signing Cook is that they think they have title you know, aspirations. Well, if they've got Cook plodding around and, and Hall looks healthy, I think they go to the young guy and say, help us win games. So I think, uh, you know, again, down the stretch, I, I may have a hammer in Brees Hall. And if he costs a fifth-round pick, I, I, you know, I, can, I can backfill running back production until week eight or whatever. He gave you the bull case there, everybody. So, uh, you know, listen to Pat. Uh, he, he has some experience in this. But, again, I'll just very quickly outline why I haven't taken him. It's that Pat said 10 months to return to play. That puts him at week one. But it's usually about 18 months to get to full strength. And these guys never really get to, like, full strength. But I'll also see that 85% of Brees Hall is still RB1 right now, right? I'll take 85% of what I saw in weeks one through six with Brees Hall. He was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I again, I just think with all of the the options you have there in round three, there's so many good players. There well, are. And, and you're going to have so many injuries in fantasy football. Just why start off with one? But I understand it. You know, and how about this? Would I be able to persuade you that that's a bad pick in a 12 team like home league contained league? It's definitely less of a you're taking on more risk than you probably need to. Um, for a 12-team league, I guess. Although you are trying to finish one of 12, which is still, like, not easy to do. Right. So, But it's going to be tough with the – let's say, for yeah. example – again, I don't want to say, what if he goes on pop? What if he goes on this? There, it's a, I see the upside. It's just that, you know, I – as you can tell just by the title of this podcast, 10 Bust Proof Players, I tend to value floor more than the average player. And maybe that's a leak in my game. I, I will admit it. You were generous. You put together – a list of bust-proof players. Just rattle off the list right here, and there's a couple I want to ask you about. Any of them others that I haven't hit on yet that you think are just cannot miss? They're 100%. And I'll put that in air quotes for you because nothing's 100%. Who are the bust-proof <laughs> guys that you identified? Uh, let's see. 
We'll, we'll, so another one, I didn't have too many more. Another mm-hmm. one that I wanted to touch on was Jalen Warren, who's a little bit later, but the guy, like one thing that I'm trying to, when I think about floor, right, is Pat, just real quick, for those who are just getting up to speed, Jalen Warren, the second-year running back on the Pittsburgh Steelers, currently RB2 on the Steelers' depth chart behind Najee Harris. Yes. One thing I try to look at if I'm making that type of bet is how likely is this player to actually be the running back two? Because sometimes we get this wrong. We took Tyrion Davis-Price last year because he's running back two for the 49ers. No, he's not. You know, And then that's like a huge bust. So just making sure this guy's definitely running back two on the depth chart. Jalen Warren is definitely the running back two on the depth chart. He is you know, also, it sounds like, looking pretty explosive relative to Najee Harris. And I think we'll have some kind of, he's going to be behind Najee Harris, but I think he'll have some kind of role. He can catch passes. He's also bigger. He's not a small back. It's like He's short. He's like 5'8", 215, though. So he can be used in short yard situations just fine. And he was very efficient as a receiver and a rusher last year. Uh, I think you have the locked in. He is he is going to have a role, which gives you that floor. And then what if Najee misses five games for whatever reason, right? Now you have the upside. So just getting that depth chart assurance, he strike he almost reminds me of like Alexander Madison from years past. Like we we should be more confident. Interesting in taking Jalen Warren, who's going in like the 11th and 12th round when, you know, we were taking Alexander Madison in like the eighth, ninth round in previous years. Cause we just felt so sure that he had the role, but I feel that way about Warren. We just haven't seen it as concretely yet. Cause Najee hasn't missed uh, a full game. And, and, you know, we saw Warren get all the work, but I think that is what would happen. It, it's funny draft capital, although redrafters don't think about it too much it plays into this because that's why Madison was a eighth round pick. He was a third round running back, a day two running mm-hmm. back. And Warren, what was he undrafted or a super late pick? Something? He was undrafted. I think. Yeah. Right. So he's, he can't be anything good. Right. I mean, that that's the bias that people have to get over. And the same thing we talked about with Amon Ra St. Brown, if Amon Ra St. Brown and James and uh, Jameson Williams flipped their draft capital, this, we would be taking Amon Ra St. Brown top five, top six pick, but you know, we, we, we covered that ground. Uh, Pat, uh, before I lightning round you on the last few questions here, I just want you to let everybody know um, they're all they all follow you at Pat Kareem. But just tell everyone quickly about your new project, uh, Legendary Upside, what you're doing, and where they can find more of it. Yeah, it's uh, legendaryupside.com. Uh, it's like a, a newsletter where I kind of put out like some strategy based pieces on on best ball type stuff. But there's dynasty content there as well. Um, but also, I kind of just dive into player analysis and. I've got an article on tight ends that I'm working on. Should be out early next week. I uh, just put out a series on running backs, uh, going through the running back profiles. And then uh, one thing that I'll have out pretty soon is my uh, article that the site is named after, Legendary Upside, which uh, goes looks at the early round running backs. And I kind of what I do is I like literally, you know, I travel to the future. I see what happened in the upside scenario and the downside scenario. So I just kind of like, like talk that. through what what would an up, like a truly legendary season from B. John Robinson look like and describe it and we and kind of see like does this feel like something that could happen? And then I talk about here's how he has like a not like a, a he got hurt season, but a season where he just kind of disappoints. Like what does that feel like? How realistic does that feel right. like? And then 
kind of talk through how I'm drafting those players. Can, can you not say that about Bijan disappointing? Because I, I've, I've, it, just please, it, it gives me, it's getting me sweating neck. What is that? Like Tyler Algier <laughs> splitting cap? Don't do that. It's I put yeah. too much of my Desmond uh, Ritter keep the, the three and out. They lead the league in three and outs. You know, there's there's a there's a way. All right, all right. Yeah. Don't, I'm not reading that article. I have nightmares, Pat. Uh, but uh, that one I, I plan to do uh, completely free this year. So I'd recommend going over, signing up. Um, you can get some really good free stuff in addition to the premium stuff that includes uh, Underdog and, and DraftKings best ball rankings. Yeah, I, I went over and signed up for the newsletter. Everyone else should too. It's, uh, it's good. I, I like that you're doing this on your own. By the way, is uh did your win um from last year your your first place win did that give you the final like hey i need to go out on my own and do my own thing was that the final confidence okay because for those who don't know pat for years he worked at all the big fantasy companies and then uh took is pat you don't have to bark at me it's it's okay what kind of what kind of dog you there he's uh he's an irish doodle he's an irish setter poodle very manly dog very manly pat (laughs) Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say Rottweiler to, to guard yeah, he's, the, the he's first super place. intimidating. Right. Yeah. Um, so Pat worked for all the big fantasy companies, takes down this big win, and then starts his own fantasy company. I mean, was this something that you always wanted to do? I know you you know, you know worked with Adam and Evan, and you saw them do it. Like, what was the inspiration to to create Legendary Upside? Yeah, and I also, I um, yeah, I was at Established to Run uh, and saw mm-hmm. those guys do their own thing, which is awesome. And I also do stuff with uh, Ben Gretchen and Pete Overzet kind of are kind of doing their own thing in, in some ways as well. I mean, Gretch has got his uh, Stealing Signals newsletter. So um, a few different kind of kind of role models there with that. And I mean, I was I loved being at NBC, uh, but I, I didn't love blurbing. <laughs> I have to it, say. We do it here at Rotowire. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm not complaining. Just, it beats digging, digging ditches for a living. It sure it's, does. Yeah, it sure but. does. Yeah. Uh, but I just just the flexibility to be able to kind of do content as it struck as it strikes me. And like I just I had a, a strategy piece that I posted yesterday that I had no idea I was going to write, uh, you know, by Tuesday. Like I just I wrote it um, basically like all yesterday. And uh, it's just like because of how I was drafting and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And I'll just write this up, get it out there, do some interesting stuff. Like I, I narrate the posts on a that's part of the premium uh, package for the site. You can get a, a private podcast feed where I just narrate the post. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea, but not something I really had the flexibility to do if, unless I was doing my own thing. So I can kind of like experiment with, with some cool content ideas and um, yeah, just, just kind of think it's fun. I've been able to build out a discord community around the, the site. So just really the flexibility is what, what drew me to the idea. Yeah, no, it's a lot of people try it, but it's it seems like you're you're doing it the right way. Who thought of the name Legendary Upside? How did it come about? Uh, well, so honestly, I was I was uh, I got sucked into the Top Shot thing a little bit. So the Legendary, you how know, many are you holding right now? Uh, more than I would, uh, more than I prefer to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Legendary uh, Upside. Yeah. How'd you think? So that was kind of the the Legendary. I was like, you know, that's their that's like their highest thing. So I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Uh, it's like. Also, sort of like a zeitgeisty thing, and then um, I was just trying to come up with a term, not for a site, but for the the, the article series that I was writing a couple of years ago. Like, what are we looking for with these running backs? Like, we're looking for Christian McCaffrey in twenty seventeen or tw- or twenty eighteen. Sorry, we're looking for Todd Gurley in in twenty seventeen. You know, we're looking for these huge seasons, these landscape shifting seasons. Like, did you have him? Did you have this guy? You, you know, that's what we're really looking for. Cooper Cup as a fourth round pick. 
yes, yes. But, you know, with these running backs in the early rounds, I think my thing is I don't want to be looking for floor there. It's mm-hmm. I think you look for floor at different parts of your draft. To me, in the early rounds, if I'm going running back, it's because I'm I'm swinging for the fences. Because if I I can't get that, the running back's not that high scoring of a position. Right. It's that there's a few guys who crush. So if I – and you don't have that dynamic of wide receiver. Wide receiver is a high scoring position. So if you're going to be, you know – you know, you if you hit one of those seasons at running back, people are going to have a hard time catching up to you. And just trying to convey that concept. So that's what I, that was the term to kind of convey the idea of you're looking. That's what you look for. You look for legendary upside, like truly difference making upside. Um, and then when I was launching my own site, I was like, well, that's kind of a pretty cool name for a site too. <laughs> so I agree. I agree. You see a lot of um, you know a lot of sites that don't really stand out. You're, the name is a good marketing name. I think it's uh, it has a lot of upside. That name. Um, <laughs> did did you uh, did you spoil yourself at all? Was there anything? Because again, you say, you strike me as a guy that just you know what I'm just going to start my own business, do my own thing. Are you at least going to treat yourself to a, uh, a a nice podcast studio when you move? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're going to be moving to a new apartment here, and uh, I, I will have an office. This is my living room. That's why I have the green screen up. So right. I'm, I'm I'm going to have an office. That's okay. um, yeah, upgrade, uh, upgrade. upgrading to an office. Uh, yeah, and we I've always been uh, someone who's who's enjoyed traveling. Me and my girlfriend have traveled a lot. We've done a lot of trips. We both scuba dive, and we learned to do that together. And so we'll we'll kind of so I after the win, like a few weeks after we did like a three week trip to Indonesia and Vietnam, but that was booked before the wind. Right. So, so you can't, you didn't treat yourself. Did, I didn't uh, really treat myself there. Yeah. The we other question than we would have. Right. Right. Exactly. You go, you, you go for the, uh, the upgraded, uh, restaurants. Uh, that's, I'm exactly. a foodie too. Uh, the other question that I, uh, I'm sure you get this a lot or maybe not, but it was one of the most popular questions when I asked people for questions for you, they said, how did, do they come with like a big uh, check underdog, like an Ed McMahon style of check? Or is it just like, hey, here's the credits in your account? Like, how does it get actually transferred to you? Is there, there a ceremony? No, there was no ceremony, no check. Um, uh, they, yeah, it's just a wire transfer uh, <laughs> to the bank. But, yeah, you know, that works. Now, you don't uh, want any popping circumstances. I don't want anybody knowing that I. You well, know, you know, I know Liam Murphy got a ring when he won Best Bowl Mania 2. I never got a ring. And then I was like, how did that? He, it turns out he told them he wanted a ring. <laughs> so I, I think if I demand a ring, I could get one, but I haven't yet. You need a better attorney, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm available. Yeah, I, could, might be, I might be selling myself short here. Yeah, I could get a few more perks. Pat Corrine, you've been generous with your time. I enjoy talking to you. Um, yeah, I want you, everyone to go follow Pat at Pat Corrine. Uh he did what we all want to do. He he won Best Bowl Mania, so he he's got a good uh, a lot of great advice. And I've checked out Legendary Upside. Uh, I'm a fan. Follow him on Twitter. Follow all the links. Everybody, we'll be back next week with another fantasy football podcast. Uh, only another few weeks to enter your best ball, so get in there. And then you'll we're transferring to the in season contest. Oh, wait, before I go, somebody asked about weekly winners on best ball. Um, Give him three quick bullet points, two quick bullet I points. Have, about I haven't how- done it yet. I honestly haven't played it yet, so I, I'm not the person to ask. I'm intrigued by the format. I just haven't dove right. in because it's it's so different. You know, you got to kind of really play. It's for, DFS meets it's DFS. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. My quick thought was like, you know, it, the the twelve thirteen turn when I had picked twelve, I took Josh Allen and Diggs. I'm like, hey, if they're the nuts one week, I'm going to be in a good spot. I think that's exactly the type of thing that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Right. Trying to figure it out. That's what's great about it is everyone's trying to figure it out. So, so. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week with another Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Doors, doors, the sun goes down on my-
outside 